you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times. Because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. It's Foss here from thechrisfossshow.com, thechrisfossshow.com. Welcome to the big show, my family and friends. We certainly appreciate you guys coming by the show. We've got an amazing author on the show and mind. She's an American clinical psychologist and writer, and she's written fam- several famous books, and she's got a new one that just came out. So we'll get into that because I need as much psychological help as uh, you may know. You guys have been with me for 14 years and over 1,400 episodes. We're celebrating and punching out two to three new episodes a day. So please refer the show to your family, friends, and relatives. We beg of you, please do it. Please, for the love of God, what more do we need to give you people? Anyway, we love you guys as an audience. Go to YouTube.com, for Chess Chris Voss, Goodreads.com, for Chess Chris Voss, LinkedIn.com, for Chess Chris Voss. And we're trying to get cool on TikTok. We're trying. It's not working because we're old. But uh, we're trying to be cool over there. We're working on it. As the as the cool as the kids say, uh, get off my lawn. No, wait, do old people say that? I don't know. I think they're telling me to get off their TikTok lawn. Today we have Kay Redfield Jameson on the show with us today. Uh, she's the author of many books, and her latest book just comes out uh, May twenty third, twenty twenty three. Fires in the dark. Healing the Unquiet Mind. She's on the show with us today to talk about her book and her insights and all the research she did. Uh, She is an American clinical psychologist and writer. Her work has been centered on bipolar disorder, which is namely me, and which she uh, has had since her early childhood. She holds a post of professor of psychiatry at the John Hopkins University School of Medicine and is an honorary professor at English at the University of St. Andrews. Welcome to the show. Kay, how are you? I'm fine. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. It's an honor to have you as well. Uh, so give us your dot coms or wherever you want people to find you on the interwebs, please. Um, I I don't actually, you know, I'm not actually on, uh, you mean social media? Anywhere. Uh, do you have a website that you want to plug? I don't have a website. I think my publisher okay. does. I think okay. I, I probably had one in my name, but I don't. Yeah. There you go. They're complicated. So, uh, if, you know, people can order the book on Amazon or wherever fine books are sold. Uh, so, Kay, uh, what motivated you want to write this latest book? Well, I'm, I'm very interested in general in psychological suffering and, and actually psychological strength and uh, psychological courage. And I've, I've written a lot about mood disorders, uh, depression, and and bipolar disorder, which uh, the latter of which I've had since I was seventeen. Wow! And I've been, re- I've done a lot of research on it and teaching about it. But I think in this day and age that there's been not enough emphasis on the importance of psychotherapy. Mm. Uh, and, and I say psychotherapy with the caveat of psychotherapy well done. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of psychotherapy that's not so great. But um, I, I was very interested in tracing the origins of, of modern psychotherapy to the battlefields of the First World War. Oh, wow. And and then way beyond that to the Greeks and the Assyrians and Babylonians. I mean, in other words, we've all had psycho- 
our species has had psychological suffering since we began. And mm-hmm. uh, so the question is, how have various societies and cultures addressed that? And what do we do in this day and age? And how do we, you know, learn from the past, but also how do we learn from exemplars and courage and people who've handled suffering very well? Oh, there you go. You know, we we uh, we have an upcoming guest on the show who wrote a book called Soldiers Don't Go Mad by Charles uh-huh. Glass. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's it's just come out, and it's uh, about mental illness during the First World War, World War. You mentioned that, so I thought that might be pertinent. It's a, it was a huge problem, of course. I mean, uh-huh. um, the origins of a lot of our notions of trauma come from uh, the First World War. Mm-hmm. And your big, your your massive, I think, book, uh, An Unquiet Mind, was an incredible hit and a memoir of, uh, I think, of, what do I see here, of mood and madness, if I'm reading that correctly? Yes. Yeah. And and uh, it was very popular. And so is this kind of a follow-up to that book, would you say, or just an add-on of, of more information? Um, I would say it's both. It's mm-hmm. uh, mainly about how to handle psychological suffering, whether it's Greek, grief or depression or whatever, but it's also traced throughout it is um, the follow-up of my own, um, as it were, journey through mania and depression and so forth and, and things that were helpful and things that were not helpful. Uh, but mostly it's, it's, it's about how do you deal with pain? How do you um, derive some you know, advantage at the end of the suffering. Uh, I, I spent a lot of time with college students mm-hmm. who, because the average age of bipolar illnesses is quite young. Wow. And, you know, I'm, I'm always saying to them, you know, there's nothing good to be said for depression except, but at the end of it, what you pull from it and what you use mm-hmm. from it and how you learn from it. There you go. Uh, so tell us a little bit about your origin story. What, did you have, you know, we, we've had a lot of people on, on this show that have talked about childhood trauma, how that shaped them in different things. What, what, what was your journey like through your life and, and uh, dealing with some of the issues that you, you dealt with? Right. I, wouldn't, I would say actually I had a, a quite happy childhood. I was brought mm-hmm. up in the military. Uh, my father was an Air Force pilot. And so we traveled around a lot, and there's a lot of love and a lot of, um, you know, interesting posting hither, thither, and on. So um, I, I didn't have some of the, you know, aspects of trauma that perhaps uh, some people do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I was 17, I was we were living in California, and I got psychotically depressed. I got quite high and kind of mildly manic, and then I... I just became suicidally depressed, and I'd never thought about death. I'd never thought, certainly hadn't thought about suicide, hadn't thought about anything like that. I was always kind of captain of my teams, loving, you know, outgoing and loving life and Mm -hmm. uh, enthusiastic and and whatever. And all of a sudden, all I wanted to do was die. Wow. Uh, So it was extremely, um, you know, devastating uh, time. Mm -hmm. And then as mood disorders tend to be cyclic, you know, they come and go. And so it went and then it came and went until I, uh, uh, but not at a medical emergency sort of level. And then when I joined the faculty at UCLA in the psychiatry department as assistant professor, I I became psychotically manic and completely deranged to say the least and so i i hadn't a choice but to get treatment and i 
was fortunate enough, and part of my book is is relates to that is what are the aspects of good treatment? What is it that makes a really great healer? Mm-hmm. Uh, why why are some people sort of sort of okay? Some people are good, and some people are really great. And I was very very fortunate indeed to get a very good psychiatrist who was who was a very well versed in what the illness was like and the biology and the psychopharmacology, but also a great humanist. So I had a, a wonderful combination of psychotherapy and medication. Um, so that's I wrote about that in my my first memoir, and then this memoir I really tried to follow up on. Looking back, what were the things that were really, you know, really really good and really worked and things from life. Hi, folks. Here's Foss here with a little station break. Hope you're enjoying the show so far. We'll resume here in a second. Uh, I'd like to invite you to come to my coaching, speaking, and training courses website. You can also see our new podcast over there at chrisvossleadershipinstitute.com. Over there, you can find all the different stuff that we do for speaking engagements, if you'd like to hire me, uh, training courses that we offer, and coaching for leadership, management, entrepreneurism, uh, podcasting, corporate stuff. Uh, With over 35 years of experience in business and running companies as CEO, and be sure to check out Chris Voss Leadership institute.com now back to the show is finding a good psychiatrist the the real key to to getting better and i I think you also have to be honest with your psychiatrist too i mean you can't be pr you know i've seen people that have game psychiatrists where they they pr them and they they don't they they won't open up so is the key to finding a really good psychiatrist that can carve you open and and get inside your mind well, I think it's an interesting way of putting it sort of as a pumpkin quality test. My, my psychiatrist is recommending full lobotomy, so they're just going to carve the front off and, and have at it, hack away. Right. Well, I, I think certainly, you know, and it's easier said than done. I mean, the questions are one of the reasons I wrote the book was really to try and say, you know, these are the good qualities. and But people don't always have that luxury, and we live yeah. in a utterly broken healthcare system so yeah. it's it's very easy to say well you don't know, get a really great psychiatrist but you know there aren't that many of them and most people can't afford them but um yes in, in an ideal world yes of course to get a really smart psychiatrist who knows what he or she is doing really clinically competent mm-hmm. i mean empathy empathy doesn't pay the rent just sitting around listening and <laughs> nodding uh doesn't if you've got bipolar illness or depression, that's just not going to help. But I think also that it's 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 being accompanied. I think a great psychiatrist or psychologist accompanies people uh, and and extends hope and reason to live and endure and and survive and prevail. But it, it's not easy, and I think being honest, you know, it, it's honesty both ways around. You're you're talking about not being honest in terms of what you tell someone of course there's no point in doing that i mean why why waste your time and money um but the i think the other side of it is you you have the right to expect that your psychotherapist is really going to be honest with you Mm -hmm. Um, and that's terribly important and 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 get through to you uh, and, and not, not not put up with the sort of PR you want to do. You know, I, I kind of feel like in today's world, especially with social media, I need to walk around and hand out cards to psychiatrists. It seems like we need to we need to get back to accepting this more as a level of uh, uh, health health benefit because uh, 
there's a lot of people that are mentally maladjusted. I, for one, am. I think everyone's clear on that one. Uh, but also, um, you know, we've we've got uh, uh, twenty. You know, the COVID thing. I think a lot of people right. broke over COVID. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, well, for sure. I mean, I think one of the few advantages of of the pandemic was that people were in very close proximity to their children. For example. Oh, and, that'll break you. And, and kids will, yeah, kids are able to uh, fake it to a large extent to to talk to, about their problems to their friends and not their parents. But if you're not going anywhere, I think parents have a, an upfront chance to see how much suffering was going on. And and the fact is, there's always been this suffering. I mean, psychological. Uh, problems and, and mental illness are really common. And this is one of the things that I think has come out of this is that people appreciate, you know, I mean, psychiatrists and psychologists have known for forever, you just look at the statistics that these are common illnesses, particularly depression um, and anxiety disorders, uh, bipolar disorder. These are very common. It's, it's not like Mondo Bizarro diseases. These are really common and they're really common in adolescence. So perhaps the fact that we're talking about it um is 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 a function to some extent of the of the stress of the pandemic people went through a lot of you know i, I was suppressed during the pandemic I, it was a dark time i'm like wow are we gonna go through another 2008 crisis uh you know everything didn't seem to be working i lost a lot of money over it um so uh tease us out uh, maybe some of the other things we haven't talked about that are in the book if you would Right. Well, well, some of it, it really deals with, you know, it, it's hard to, to, to um, get well, you know, and I think this is one of the things that we live in a world where people focus on, you know, uh, calming themselves and, and, and all, all that's to the, to the good and wellness and so forth. But the fact of the matter is there's some really tough times in life and, um, calmness is not necessarily going to get you through. And one of the things that I always appreciated about my own doctor and I uh, focus a lot on is that you can do it, but it's hard. And once you've done it, it's all the better for having been hard because you've really done something. And, you know, I, I tell students, you know, your parents can't helicopter in on this one. Uh, they can help you with getting a doctor. They can give you love and support and, and you know, room and, and food. But at the end of the day, the pain is other people will leave the room and you will have the suffering. So the question is, how are you going to deal with that? And what are you going to, to bring out of that? And mm -hmm. it's, it is going to be difficult. And so I, I have always advised people to, and I have a whole section on, you know, creating your own islands of things that, um, replenish you, that give you sustenance, that give you meaning, that give you purpose, because mm -hmm. it's the purpose and the meaning uh, that will serve you well ultimately. And and you really want. And I, and I I talked quite a bit about people who went through a lot of suffering, like Paul Robeson, for example, mm -hmm. um, an extraordinary person who gave back, you know, and and. Um, felt a very strong obligation in terms of political social advocacy and using his art in that direction. But he had a great deal of pain and suffering for a lot of reasons in his own life. And I think that 
in, in, somehow in this day and age, we don't look to heroes, perhaps in quite the same way that we used to. Mm-hmm. As I said, I was brought up in a military family, so you know Chuck Yeager and Billy Mitchell and, and those people were our childhood heroes. These people of immense courage, and um, I, I think that one of the things I wanted to bring out in this book was you could look to literature, you can look to music, you can look to other people to help you get it through, not just doctors. Wow. Now, one of the quotes from the book is uh, you have here is, to treat, even to cure, is not always to heal. Tell us a little bit about what that means. Uh, well, it means pretty much, you know, you, you can um, have a, a severe illness, and mm-hmm. you can get treated for that illness and get well from that illness in, in many ways. But you don't necessarily heal. And the healing part of it is a longer term sort of thing and it it's a, a much more subtle sort of thing and i think that um, good doctors whether you're talking about medicine medical doctors or psychiatrists or psychologists or whatever um ha- have that capacity that ancient capacity um and, and one of the reasons i trace the the history of 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 psychological healing is that it goes so far back to laying out of hands rituals herbs Mm. Um, you know, dream analysis in the ancient Greek temples of healing. Um, but people have thought about these things for a very, very long time. And, and confession, for example, Jung and Freud both said that confession from, from the old churches uh, was always the core of psychoanalysis and psychotherapy. And there's a, really? there's a certain amount of truth in that, that you go into a therapist's office Mm-hmm. Um, and you confide, and you trust that therapist to do well by you when you confide, to to you know take you seriously, to understand what you say, and to be able to guide you on. Definitely, uh, that's interesting to me. I never thought about that. That basically, you know, in the old days before a lot of uh, psych- modern psychotherapy. Uh, maybe going to the confession at the Catholic Church was a form of uh, psychotherapy yes, and guidance. I, I think it certainly was. I mean, if you look at the the uh, derivation of, of healers, it's, it, you know, they're, they're priests, um, yeah. the old doctors and the old priests, um, Those that combination. And I think still that, you know, whether you're talking about whether you're a priest or a rabbi or a minister or a, a psychotherapist, the intelligent extension of hope is one of the first and most important tasks. You have to convince somebody. In depression, for example, mm-hmm. one of the first things that goes is hope, by definition. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah. that's the heart of depression, and, and it's one of its most killing aspects is that it, is it deprives people of hope. And to, to have the ability to extend hope to people is is a very very important thing. I have a colleague at, at Johns Hopkins, for example, who was treating a very depressed patient, and he said, "I will never ever ever give up on you." And there's something in that message that says, "You know, I'm here. I'm not leaving you, and you will get better." There you go. There you go. Well, this is really insightful, and I think it should be an amazing for people. I think more and more people, like I say, need to seek mental help. I, I have people ask me, like, what if you, what if you could go back and talk to your sixteen-year-old or teenage self? What would you tell it? And mine is like, 
get some mental help. Uh, <laughs> I, I had extreme ADHD when I was young, uh, some childhood trauma, and uh, I, I would have been better for it. Sadly, you know, we don't really figure out that this is affecting us till our older ages. This has been really great to have you on and insightful. Uh, Kate, uh, anything more you want to tease on in the book before we go? No, no, I'm delighted to talk to you. Thanks so much. Thank you. Uh, order up Kay's book, wherever fine books are sold. Uh, Fires in the Dark, Healing the Unquiet Mind, and uh, all that good stuff. Go to goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Voss, youtube.com, Fortress Chris Voss, and all those places on the internet. Thanks for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe. We'll see you guys next time. And